Hello and welcome to Can You Hear Me at the Back, the podcast about all things voice and communication. Hi Andrea. Hi Leon. Hi. So, how are you feeling in a word, no, in a sound and a movement? Go. Bra. Yeah. Yeah. Leon, Hmm. how are you feeling with a sound and a movement? I had two thoughts. One is that I thought your nose was making that noise for a second. And I was like, wow, how talented. I feel like a deflating balloon. I yeah. think that's the that's this thing. That's quite depressing. <laughs> I'm not crying. It's normal. Okay. <laughs> um, Leon, what are we talking about today? Okay. So the title of the podcast episode, yeah. episode is It Doesn't Feel Natural. Ooh. Ah. What is that? Ooh, ah. <laughs> Ooh, ah. <laughs> well, it's one of those things that we, we've been talking about quite a lot because yeah. it comes up as one of those things that people say all the time, right? Yeah. So... Here we are working with somebody and they say, oh, it just doesn't feel natural. Yeah. And then you're like, what, what does natural mean? Yeah. What is that? What's that all about? Um, it really threw me when I first heard it because I thought, <laughs> um, I, I, I thought, why would it feel natural? Um, be- because I thought, well, if we're doing something extraordinary, then wouldn't it feel beyond like your normal extra daily it would feel extraordinary yeah different more than extra um yeah so extra and also it's in like modern vernacular yeah Ugh, she's so extra (laughs) that's so true do you know what i mean yeah which also weirdly means the same as basic in modern vernacular Ugh, she's so basic. She's so basic. I use I use basic and, di- and extra differently. Differently, oh. different. Yeah, because um, so basic to me is that like you is a basic person, like <laughs> like stupid. And not stupid, just like the bare minimum is happening right now. Okay. But if you're extra, you're doing a lot of other things, and the hand motion goes with it. Yes. Um, you're doing a lot of other Check out things. <laughs> That don't need to be happening, and yet they are. So you're being extra. It's like mm. my um. It my does. It does extra. still feel like the same thing, though. Do you know what it I mean? It can be like people who are really stupid often doing a lot of extra stuff. It could like I use it when like um it tend. I think it tends to happen with like emotions too, where you're like, you know, if you're like having a bad day and you go into Starbucks and then you start to argue with the barista, and it's like you're being that extra. Like, there's no reason for all of this. It's no what reason. I'm, for all of this. It's got to New York right Brooklyn. now. It's, there's no reason for this. I just need to get my coffee and just go. <laughs> Accent. Oh, I love it. <laughs> love it. Right. So it doesn't so like, feel natural. Yeah. So why does it not feel natural? Yeah. Why not? So like, <laughs> we came up with reasons. We have we, we have, have reasons. reasons. We've got yeah. stuff. So yeah. like, why does it not feel natural? Well, natural is an interesting phenomenon, right? Because, yeah. um, of course, for both of us, it's totally natural to speak English. Yeah. But of course, that's because we're familiar with the language. But is it? Is it is natural it? to speak? <gasps> no, so it totally isn't. <laughs> it's not because you 
told me this. It's not natural because yeah. language is not something that is, I mean, you're not born with language. No. You're born with the ability to acquire language, yes. but you're not born with language. So mm-hmm. language itself isn't, if we're, if we're using the word natural as being something that you were born with innately and have, has always been within you, then language is not natural in that sense. No, because yeah. if nobody spoke to you, you wouldn't speak. Right. You wouldn't have acquired the language. Right. So when you're trying to um, speak a language, you have to, like immersion in that language mm-hmm. is like arguably the best way of learning it because you have to learn it. You have to actually use it and understand it rather than the thing that I hated. One of the things I hated most about school was sitting in a in a classroom and learning language. Yeah. I was like... Yo tengo. Can I tienes. Ju- <laughs> Nosotros tenemos. <laughs> <laughs> you do love your tengo. <laughs> no, sorry, tengo, ten Your ten year, um, Tengo tienes, tienes. That's how my sister learned it with a song. Tengo tienes, tienes. <laughs> that was a song. You can look it it's up on YouTube. Look it up, look it up. <laughs> um, it's a great learning tool. Yeah. But it's the, it's the thing about... How you, you learn by making the mistakes, but you learn because people actually teach it to you yeah they give it to you by the virtue of the fact that they use it yeah. at you yeah. and on you and with you yeah so if you didn't if we didn't have somebody speak to you or people speak mm-hmm. to you you wouldn't you wouldn't know speak. language yeah you wouldn't speak and there there are cases of that of people being yeah. locked up for of that crucial time in their life where you're supposed to be acquiring language mm. and never being able to fully acquire or develop language because they weren't being spoken to. Mm. And the frightening thing is mm. that even in countries that are considered to be advanced, first world, Ooh. should we say? Ooh. No, probably not. No. But... <laughs> that sounds political. They are... There are more and more examples of children arriving at school yes at the age of yes. four who don't speak yeah or aren't being spoken to because they're not being spoken yeah. to and television has some good things going for it yeah but um <laughs> I, was, I was so careful <laughs> yeah it's like uh, there are some it's not as good as podcasts <laughs> no it's but television is really important because yeah. Um, it is an, it is a way for children to learn things that they might not be given in the home. Right. Like they might not have access to, I don't know, colourful things, lots of random stuff. Lots. Of, do you know what I mean? They would yeah. maybe they don't they don't see pets. They don't see animals. They don't know what those things are. So sometimes that's a fantastic way of being able to gain access to that. Yeah. But then at the same time, there are lots of children who because they're just plopped in front of the television yeah. and then you have to watch something uh, because parents are busy fine yeah. but that's not a substitution for a human a human being yeah and and it's not that they're not developing language they're just not developing conversational skills um that require certain aspects of language hmm. and it's not easy no hasten to add not easy no um a f- friend of a friend of mine once said to me at a dinner party what I know dinner party I'm in my 30s so um said to me oh I find it really difficult to talk to my daughter and I was like what do you mean and she was like one at the time she's like I find it really difficult 
She's not 15. She wasn't <laughs> like, like, that well, was that, so, that seems like a different conversation. That is a different yeah, conversation, just, different yeah. topic. <laughs> but she was saying, I find it really difficult. It's like, I'm talking to, to this creature that doesn't understand. And I was like, but they, mm-hmm. she does understand. Yeah. And if you ask her to do something, then she might comply or she might ignore you or she might just not understand you and therefore you have to explain it in a different way. Yeah. But but by virtue of the fact that you are speaking to her, she is acquiring language. So it's important, even if you feel like an idiot doing it, yeah. which is lots of people feel self-conscious. Well, you know what I think it is? I think there's this idea. So when we talk about registers and, uh, different, yeah. types of, um, uh, and different types of speech, um, which, which I will thoroughly explain in a minute, mm. um, that... Uh, people believe that there's a certain way that you should talk to children. So that you should talk to kids with a high voice. And you should be like, hi, how are you? Where's your mommy? And things like that. And I think that's what makes people feel uncomfortable talking to children. Uh. Which is completely not true. You don't have to talk to your kids like that. My dad actually made a rule that we like when people came to our house that they were supposed to talk to us like we were mini adults. Because that's what we were, mini oh, adults. That sounds um, awesome. Because yeah. that was one of the things when I was a child that annoyed me the most. Yeah. When people were like, oh, hello, how are you? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm neither <laughs> stupid nor deaf. What is wrong with you? Like, I would be, I would find it condescending. It is. As a child. Yeah. And it, it is, is condescending It is, and to people a child. do it to people who um, speak English as a second language. Like, don't get me started on people who yell at <laughs> people. Hi, my name, and you're like. I would like Esther Sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> like that doesn't that's help. That's not even a thing. That's not helping. But it it does feel condescending. But it's because there there are different ways of talking to people. And that's called registers. Um yes. So what what is the official thing of a register? A register is a language um that we use in different social situations. So it, it encompasses everything, including like the phonology or the sound and the grammar and the words that you use. So you have different registers. Say there's like motherese so people talking uh, to babies yeah right you see how that works um circling back sure. yeah there's like um there's one called like law speak and i'm not sure what the actual term for it is there is like hmm. a term for like lawyers talking to each other yeah um but then doctors must have that doctors must be like jargon it. that's related to that yes so yeah. like business people it people yeah. can't understand a word they say voice people voice people <laughs> hi we totally we love some jargon yeah yeah we do a bit of jargon lovely yeah and i suppose jargon really does fall into that what well, does it because it's sort of it is i suppose register but at the same time it's a choice so it's a choice to use that because you, you don't have to use an acronym or a bit of jargon yeah you could use the full phrase or whatever and it kind of is exclusive isn't it you it can of... be it marks you as being part of that community mm. like everything does with language though yeah. like accents mark you as part of being you know like people know that i'm generally from the americas um because <laughs> I, I don't know why i said it that way the americas because that's how i say it <laughs> okay. um because of the way that i sound and yeah. that's and that's totally that's totally valid yeah. in some ways and shapes and forms it's when you start to add other things on that so it's implying that somebody is lesser than because of the way that they speak that is a problem don't do that which is interesting because when we were preparing for this episode mm-hmm. and writing stuff down we were i we put so we separated out register as the use of language overall and then we looked at style and style is the choice of the things that make up register that right. you can use. Right. And one of the things that I wrote down was accent. Yeah. 
Because people sometimes think that accent is fixed. Yeah. All of your research about fossilization, fabulous. And, or if it is even a thing. The myth of fossilization. Myth of fossilization. Yeah. Check out episode two Mm -hmm. for accent fossilization stuff. Yeah. About what you've been doing research about. Yeah. Um, But the accent is movable. It's a kind of... Well, it's not. Well, it is movable. It's a movable feast. You can you can decide on having and keeping the accent that you acquired initially, mm-hmm. or you can change it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not easy. I'm not. No, no, no. saying that is that is an easy thing. I think that's why people feel like they're quite stuck in their accent right. because it's not. It, it is a very difficult thing to do, especially um, given certain particular circumstances. But I do believe that it can happen. Yeah, so then... And and within that, I suppose, not just within accent, but... Well, not just separate to accent, but within accent, within looking at pronunciation. Yeah. So do you drop your T's? Do you over-aspirate and hyper-correct your H's? <laughs> do you, so do you say, you know, have to put extra H's into things to sound... Posh, um, and, and like a upper class, and it was that sort of stuff where people wouldn't really understand. But what they would, one of the key identifiers of class, yeah. for example, would be the accent and whether or not you said H's or you didn't. So yeah. did you aspirate or did you not? Yeah. So if you were doing that, so there was like this kind of, well, if I do the her, then obviously, yeah. hi, I'm now <laughs> speaking upper class, yeah. and it was, of course, it's not, but it's yeah. a beautiful little, yeah, kind of social thing it's like a marker marker. yeah that's what i say for them but anyway we're speaking about um registers and style um and our initial thing was it doesn't feel natural Mm. why doesn't it feel natural it's not just because of how familiar you are with it right but it's also to do with the the identity associated with the thing that you're moving towards right yeah and you had a wonderful quote the other day Okay. About from Eric Singer. Oh yes, the extraordinary. Eric oh yes, Singer, he's brilliant. We love. I I used him in my dissertation many times. Yeah. Um, so he said, if you can't imagine yourself being, if you cannot imagine yourself as being that person, that it's going to be um, difficult or nearly impossible for you to acquire the accent of the person that you're trying to inhabit. So if you cannot. Um, I'm just going to re-paraphrase that again. If you cannot imagine yourself as a person that would have this accent, you are not going to acquire that accent. Or at least it's going to be incredibly difficult for you to do and it might not be accurate. Um, And I was doing that in the case of um, ESL students learning RP. Um, But yeah, so there is this idea that... um, that your image of yourself, so who I think I am, um, and how I speak belongs to that because speech and language is so integrated into identity um, that as soon as that starts to move somewhere, so as soon as you say, um, okay, we need to work on your your T and your D placement, right? A person goes, wait, no, but that's part of who I am. And now you're starting to change something Mm. about me, right? Um, and, And... that's quite hard to separate because as a voice coach, a lot of times what I'm saying is not, I need you as a person to change, but I need you to change a thing that you do to accommodate um, a performance. Right. 
right? And so whether you go out into a pub and you continue to do your T's and D's, I don't care. <laughs> like, do what you want with your T's and your D's. I don't care. Yeah. Um, but as long as we're in the space um, of performance um, and I am your voice coach or your accent coach or whatever job I'm facilitating, um, that needs to be done. And most of the time, it's purely for um, audibility and, and that kind of thing. For like acoustic purposes. Yeah, for Which acoustic purposes. Dovetails beautifully into my research. Oh How my wonderful gosh. of you to do that. Um, which we won't talk about. <laughs> but... But it's really, it is really interesting that that there is so much identity wrapped up in how people speak, and yeah. that when you try and shift something, even in the short term, and for a specific reason, yeah, there is still this kind of um, visceral response to yeah. it on an emotional and a really sort of deep seated level, yeah, um, about identity, which yeah. is which is both brilliant and also kind of debilitating and inhibiting at the same time. It's quite delicate to work with, too, Mm, mm. because um, I'm sure you've had that experience where you you say something to to a student and then they and and they start you can almost see them starting to look inward and go wait a minute what does that mean about me yeah right and take this kind of like very personal um, approach to something that you thought was quite aesthetic and something that was quite um, separate from who they are, but the, people do tie that in together. And I don't think that's wrong or bad. I mean, there are things about me that I, I feel quite personal about when people talk about in terms of voice quality or um, any or accent or things of that nature. But when I'm talking about um, a performance, right, mm-hmm. and you as a person portraying a character in a theatrical setting, um, that to me feels quite different because then it, it, it shouldn't be about you Leon but yeah it's, it's about the character that I'm right portraying. Yeah. yeah and I feel the same way about language and registers right um so if I'm I think a lot of times what gets people really and and this happens a lot um when we do sonnets and say Shakespeare hmm. all my students go oh my gosh I can't, I can't do that I just I don't speak that way I don't think that way a lot of times mm. is what they say I don't think that way and it comes up to this idea of oh it doesn't feel natural um and that's not a comment on necessarily what's happening acting wise but it's a comment of what they're seeing on a page so they're saying mm. I would never go out into um into the world and say this to my friends I was like well no why would you <laughs> okay when I was um, doing my thesis research, mm-hmm. um, I had a very long conversation with the wonderful Barbara Houseman. Barbara. Um, we, I, we always reference Barbara like every episode. Yeah. Um, hi, Barbara. I hope you listen. When you're listening. <laughs> 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 we talked about the podcast with her two days ago. And um, yeah, and and she said to me, you know, we do we use metaphor in our lives. Yeah. We use imagery. We say that, oh, it was as big as a house. And it's like, yeah. was it? It was not really. It was the yeah. size of a, a, I don't know, ballpoint pen. It wasn't really the size of right, a house. It's hot but as hell. I use that a lot. It was hot as hell. Yeah. And we use things like, you know, you, we use that all the time. And yeah. it's not, um, or, you know, I waited for ages. Well, did you? I mean, how many eons passed? <laughs> Before the bus arrived, oh, it was, no idea. it's kind of you know I'm dying of hunger. It's like yeah. well we use hyperbole as well, and it's kind yeah. of like we use all of those things. It's yeah. just maybe the image that was chosen by Shakespeare, or the image that was chosen by Alan Akeborn, or whoever it might be. I don't know. I just I can only think of 
British <laughs> male white I people. Um, James Baldwin. Uh, it could be anyone. It's <laughs> gonna throw that in. There. <laughs> it was getting way too white for a Just second. Like, well, that's fine. He's an African American. Um, do you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. it's one of those amazing things that we do all the time, and yet it's considered to be really alienating yeah. for some reason because it's a classical reference. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's I think there's something too about the language and how it's how it's used because I have a lot of students who look at it and be like, oh my gosh, I don't understand it. And that's automatically what happens. They go, I don't understand it. I don't get it. It gets a huge like X in yeah. their mind. <laughs> and yeah. then anything you try to do after that is is it just falls. Um, because they don't see it as being something familiar. They don't see it as something that, um, it's not the way that they necessarily speak. Um, and you said something really brilliant. Um, no. Well, look at this. This podcast is just full of us giving each other compliments. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about how smart we are. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Um, but um, you said <laughs> you said something really great about. Um, Oh, about the way um, it was it was in your presentation about the way that um, y- younger people communicate now uh, in terms yeah. of texting mm-hmm. and that um, and that there is this um, that, that the that the level of sophistication um, hasn't changed in terms of I don't want to say it wrong. Yeah, no. So the language that they're using yeah. has not necessarily changed. Right. In so far as the complexity of the vocabulary that they're using has not changed. Right. However, the manner in which they communicate has. Right. So whether or not they abbreviate things. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting is like generational uses of text speak. Yeah. So people in our parents' generations mm-hmm. much more likely to use text speak yeah. because they had the phones where you had to like click through and, you know, press S yeah. to find like an four S. Like four times. Four times, <laughs> yeah. seven, four times. And... Um, I had that I, too. Me too. Yeah. So, but, but then what happened was we had the keyboard. We now have keyboards that are, you know, create a keyboard or however you want your keyboard right. set up. That's okay. Um, but we have those keyboards and then we can do everything. And some people, I think you've got that, haven't you? Have you got that? Which is like the... I used to where you can just swipe from like swipe one level. Keyboard. I couldn't I couldn't handle it. No, I, was just, I it, couldn't work out how to do that. I but then but <laughs> I could get used to it. But like yeah. it's one of those things where now the language that we use um, is... is, is kind of the same but the communi- the means of communication is different yeah so people aren't it, it, so language isn't being eroded right. by the use of technology it's just the means of communication and one of the means of communication that has been diminished most is the means of verbal or oral communication so right. when people are actually speaking mm-hmm. this is what I was saying yes uh, about the, an observation that I've made of the young people that I work with in and around London and in and around the UK in various places, that they don't they don't complete a sentence. Right. So I'll ask a question, and they'll say, oh, yeah, because you know, like, yeah, because, like, um, yeah, you know, like, I'm like, yeah. I, I know I've absolutely, you've said nothing. Um, and then I ask them to actually speak, and they get quite, uh, they feel quite vulnerable, they feel, feel quite sort of embarrassed sometimes, yeah. because they're actually being asked to say what they think. Because they're used to starting a sentence and before they can complete the phrase, somebody else interjects. So whether or not that's because the quality of listening has changed or because the speed at which we try and communicate has changed. Yeah, yeah. So how do you know when somebody else has finished? And so this is really interesting in terms of um, actor training. Right. 
because if you're asking somebody to speak and speak several paragraphs of text that for them is is absolutely unheard of mm-hmm. in their life because when does somebody allow you to speak at length and really listen to you now yeah. <laughs> right now this is it but like, apart from therapy, <laughs> which is totally different. Oh, I mean, if you really want to be listened to, that's guys, that's quite therapeutic. Pay for therapy. Though. That Useful. is amazingly therapeutic to have somebody listen to you, like un- like uninterrupted, mm. and that's one of my big things. Like, I don't like to be interrupted, but <laughs> but <laughs> the only finished? reason sure. <laughs> the only reason is because of my family. But that's also that's also a, like a linguistic and an accidental thing, and like my family is quite. And there's an interesting thing about culture in there too. But sorry, I can continue. But no, that's right <laughs> as well. That's true, and it's a little bit like food in my culture. Yeah. So as an Ashkenazi Jew, woo, hi. Hello. Um. So like, there is never food left. Yeah. And yeah. if you don't get your fork in there quick, you ain't eating. Yeah. Like, you have to just, like, elbows out, get the fork in, get your food on your plate, eat. And there's no kind of, like, you can't eat. I mean, you shouldn't speak with your mouth full. That's yeah. always told off. Yeah. But if you're eating and chewing and listening, yeah. then by the time when the person that you're speaking to takes a bite, that's when you talk. Yes. Yeah. Until yeah. they've stopped chewing yeah. and then you chew. Yeah. And it's like... There's this sort of <laughs> reciprocal agreement yeah. that you that while I'm chewing you talk and yeah. then and it's kind of there's this whole culture that's associated with eating but you have to get in there really quick yeah um, and if you don't you won't you, you won't don't eat. eat yeah or you will eat but you and the worst one is oh the cousins who like take lots of stuff mm. because they know that they're not going to get choice in a minute and then they don't <laughs> eat it oh. oh this is a waste of food Livid. oh makes me so angry i'm angry i'm like angry that. are you gonna that. eat that or what and they're like mm, i'm not sure yet i might eat it later well, there is no i'm later. not sure is not the correct answer for <laughs> For food on your plate. Are you going to eat that? I'm not sure. Invalid. Yeah, That's what that means. That means Your, your plate mine is mine. That's invalid. Ah, okay. So that, I think that sort of thing <laughs> happens culturally. Yeah. yeah. And there's been like a cultural appropriation of that sort of feeling yeah. within the way that people are communicating. So they're not, they're not given the time to say what they really mean. And then they, they're not used to grappling with what I'm doing at the moment, which is trying to find the words yeah. that I need in order to be able to express what I want to say. And so when that happens, it doesn't feel natural. natural. Oh my God. I'm bl- Because I'm bl- it's so unfamiliar. Yeah. And it do- and, and, and I think people um, tend to use natural as something that I feel like would happen every day. You know what I mean? Like it's, mm. it's something that would occur every day for me in my life, which is not technically, I think, what natural means, Mm -hmm. but I think that's how people use it. So they use it to mean familiar, but they're saying natural. It's almost like when people say normal. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't feel normal. What do you mean normal? Yeah. And it's like, when you say, when somebody says to me, am I normal? And I'm like, no. (laughs) What's that? What do you, like, do you want to be normal? Um, who was it? I think it was Whoopi Goldberg who has this amazing quote about normal and she's like normal is a um, is a setting on a washing machine <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm misquoting that but it's like my favourite thing um, but it's not it's not something a person can be it's just a setting right? that's brilliant I know I sort of just claimed it but it's clearly not mine <laughs> no I mean it's not 
Whoopi, if you're listening, get in touch. You should listen. She's going to be here soon in the UK. She's going to be in London soon. Yeah. Maybe we should do a podcast with Whoopi Goldberg. Plotting. It will, will probably Guys, happen. if anybody knows Whoopi Goldberg, up. hook us up. Hit us up, because oh she's God. my favourite. Yeah. So register. Register. Is the language and the different parts of language that you have access to, whether that's vocabulary or syntax or prosody, so mm-hmm. the the um, intonational and inflective contours of language, mm-hmm. stress patterns, all those sorts of wonderful things. Just using um, all my favourite words. I know, right? <laughs> and then style yeah. is the choice of those things, yeah. like what you want to do, yeah, which is brilliant in the context of acting because the vast majority of what I talk about when I'm coaching actors, yeah. uh, not just in voice but in acting as well, is about choice. Uh, if you... Uh, <laughs> If, if you've met any of my students, you'll say, you will notice the only thing I think that they remember that I ever say is, it's a choice. <laughs> That's my favorite it's thing to choice, say. Yeah. Because it is a choice. It is a choice. And it just so happens that um, sometimes when we're working on certain repertoire or we're working on certain, you know, um, uh, plays or things that are done in a, are written in a particular style, mm-hmm. that then the language um, has to fit that. Just, just kind of like, uh, and I, I feel like people get this physically, you know what I mean? People understand mm. that in a physical way that if, mm. okay, if it's if, if it's a period piece and I need to, you know, it needs to look this way. And it, right. But when language comes into it, I think people, there's a there's a sense of almost like a mismatch in yeah. that. And I think it's because people find language so personal and they're like, you can't change the way I speak because mm. it's me. Um, and yet you can really... Um... You can really parody that and use it for satire. So if you... Yes. Guys, if YouTube or like search on the old interweb um, for um, Armstrong and Miller. Mm. um, So Alexander Armstrong and Ben Miller doing the First World War pilots. I'll play it too after the recording. Okay. Fabulous. (laughs) Um, And it's just brilliant. Mm. So brilliant. Modern vernacular... um, Contemporary vernacular and um, World War One style uh, 1910s um, sort of heightened RP. Oh. It's brilliant, guys. Check it out. I'll but put a link exactly to the YouTube clip about. in uh, in the show notes. If you want to contact us about anything we said in the podcast, you can reach us on Twitter at Can You Hear Pod or on Instagram at Can You Hear Me Podcast. Or you can search for us on Facebook and on YouTube. Or email us at Can You me at the back at gmail.com you can find me leon on twitter at leon trayman or me andrea at andrea fudge on twitter please support the podcast by subscribing as a patron on our patreon site the link is in the show notes to keep the podcast advertisement free as well as get access to cool extra stuff discounts bonus episodes as well as supporting ongoing voice research funding as well okay love you bye